Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast with Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Direct, soulful, comedic, advice for female chiropractors' most stagnating questions. Let's talk business, marriage and relationships, momming, and self-development. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. All right, She Slayers, this is week number two. Woohoo! We're We got a thing. I think this is officially, I think I officially get to be called a podcaster now that there's two episodes. Um, I'm pretty sure I looked it up and those are the rules. So before we get started, we are going to start with our little prayer because today's is a fun question that we are um, tackling from a student and we've all been students. (laughs) We were all there. So we literally all can relate to this person's question. Um, So we'll just start with prayer. God, please keep me not so like 10 year out hindsight. I know have all the answers to this student uh, because I I can relate so much to what she's going through. Her story like mimics mine through practice so much. And so like keep me open minded to not just assume I hate when people go like, oh, well, this is what happened to me. So this is what's going to happen to you. Like that's bullshit. We all know it. You've got a plan for her and like help me give just kind advice that is actually going to help her and any other person who's an associate uh, or a student listening. So, all right. Our question comes from a student named Sandy. So it says, Dear Lauren, remember she doesn't actually say Dear Lauren, I just always add that. I'm currently an 11th quarter student eight months out of graduation. I have a plan to move out of the state of Florida for a few years to work as an associate. Then I'll move back to my hometown within five years to work with and eventually take over my chiropractor's practice. He has a thriving practice based mainly in traditional diversified chiropractic and laser therapy research, but a lot of Medicare. Hello, Florida. I don't mind working with the older population at all. I quite enjoy that. But during my shadowing of him, I noticed a lot of babying of patients and how patients rely solely on him for making pain go away and do minimal to help themselves. He's the sweetest man, but I also see him get walked over by patients. I'm not that type. I plan to do a lot of soft tissue techniques that are not always pleasant, but get the job done. And I don't like patients lying to me. So I always stress the truth with them. I'm not their dental hygienist that they lie to about flossing. I'm their chiropractor and I only see them a short amount of time of their week. I need them to be honest about what they are doing at home. I don't want his current kind of patient. 
I want a population that wants to get better. I want them to be my walking advertisement so that when Aunt Sally sees you at holidays, you are no longer limping around. She asks how that patient will say, my chiropractor helped fix me. Here's her number. I want my patients to get better and help themselves, not be hanging on to me for care out of sheer laziness. So my question is, how do you take on a current population that you don't want while also striving to bring in populations that you do want? What's the balancing act? Do you just suck it up and deal with it? Ah, oh my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> so many things. There's, I wanted to like insert dammits uh, in that of like, I'm not your dental hygienist, damn it. Like, I love it, Sandy. You and I could be friends. Let's get coffee. So, first and foremost, you, you need to chill out. What you're doing in this makes total sense is you're trying to hyper control situations in the future because you feel like you want to take action. You see graduation coming. And so like you want to like start putting the pieces in order and your mind wants to start worrying about something like this is basically how we work as humans is it's like, what can I worry about? What can I worry about? What can I worry about? And ultimately, you don't need to be worrying about all the stuff you're worrying about right now. What's going to happen is, is when you do step into the, his practice, you are automatically going to attract or when, when you're an associate, you're going to find this out. You are going to attract your like people and you are going to detract people that are lying to you and that you just can't stand like that will just happen. Uh, this is why if you look, so I know you're kind of saying that it's Florida. There's a lot of old people. Yeah, totally. Um, but if you took a survey of like any male chiropractor or female chiropractor that's within five years of retiring, they're going to have likely a very large Medicare base. That's because they're at that stage of life and that's what they're attracting. That's because that's what they're into. Like that's what they're going through. If you look at prenatal and pediatric clinics, it is often women or men in that stage of their life. Um, so you are automatically going, you know, when you're talking about these soft tissue techniques that require a certain amount of um, endurance to handle, you're going to attract like your athletes and things like that. You're just going to. That is how real life works. And that'll happen. So I'm kind of spinning on like, there's so many different approaches. Like, all right, how do I want to tackle this? Um, so, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to start out with the whole lying thing because it's hilarious. Like, I can't not picture you, Sandy, like yelling at Betty. Like, Betty, I fucking know you didn't remove dairy like I told you. I saw you at Coldstone. Like, and Betty's just this like seven-year-old woman who's like, Dr. Sandy, I gave up dairy, I swear. Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying don't waste your energy on being worried that patients are going to lie to you and that like they're lying to him and they're walking all over him. I, as somebody, I've been in practice almost 10 years and I can kind of relate to this guy. I don't even know him. And a lot of chiropractors who've been in practice for multiple years can likely also is like, there are so many battles with each of our patients on a daily basis where when you are, um, you're not 
going to battle every day, you know, cause right now you're doing a different kind of battle in school, but in practice battle, it's different. And so when you're just like kind of dipped in a shadowing technique, it's real easy to be like, Oh, why didn't you take that question head on? Why didn't you do that? Uh, and some of it is pure laziness. Um, there are a ton of super lazy chiropractors out there that if you shadow them and you're like, why didn't you follow up when she brought up her son's ear infection, you could have gotten a new patient you know, that is laziness. That's the doc going like, yeah, but she probably won't or fear of rejection. Like there are all sorts of like real, we'll handle a question about table talk and that at a different point. Um, but sometimes it really comes down to knowing that you can't care about your patient's health more or substantially more than they do. Obviously they pay us to care about their health more than they do, but there's like, an appropriate amount of caring more. Because if you care so much more about a patient's health than they do, that will be an energy suck. And you will not literally have energy for your patients, your ideal patients that are coming in and they're like, yeah, I want to know the stretches. I want to know the diet changes. I want to know that because you're just going to like be so angry at those other patients. So there are kind of some battles that you just got to pick. And I have a feeling as he's like getting close to retirement, it's a fair combination of knowing how to pick your battles and just laziness, right? This is what happens. Um, so when you're there, you're going to start attracting the people that can handle your truth. Uh, this is something that I had to deal with quite a bit in the beginning of practice of like patients. I just didn't like their bullshit. And then I accidentally yelled at them. And then guess what? They weren't patients anymore. So guess what happened is, is over years, I started to learn to, uh, people don't like to be yelled at. And so I learned how to soften those things, soften those conversations, how to keep that person as a patient if I still wanted them, but still have that conversation of like, I don't feel like you are doing the exercises. What'll happen is, is you're going to start holding those patients gently accountable. And what I mean by gently accountable is it's like, okay, I'm going to give you these stretches. All right. Now, Betty, I'm going to follow up with these next week. So next week, Betty comes in. All right, Betty, how are those stretches doing? Oh, they're going good. Oh, great. Why don't you show them to me? So we make sure, you know, you're doing them right. She's like, oh, uh, what was the first one? You, you just go like, okay, Betty, let's walk through them again. You feel comfortable with them? Great. All right. I'll check in with you again next week. Then the next week, Betty comes in. She's going to know at this point that Dr. Sandy's going to keep her accountable and ask. So she might not do them, but she will at least try to remember them. Or here's the deal. That second appointment where you're like, okay, let's go over them again. Sandy may leave and be like, screw this shit. I just want you to adjust me. I don't want you giving me exercises and stuff. And Sandy's not coming to next week. You've lost that patient. She is no longer your concern. So these are the things that are going to start to happen when we say you're going to attract, you're going to detract. It's going to kind of work itself out and you don't need to worry about it too much unless you start detracting so much that you're kind of digging yourself a hole. What I would, uh, big air quotes, worry about more than the patients walking all over him is him. Uh, and if you want this practice, so I'm going to give you some tactical stuff. You're just going to have to hang with me because it's my podcast for a couple minutes while we touch like soul to soul here, because I want to make sure that like you're actually working towards building your dream practice and life. Um, life changes a lot in five years. So this is what you're saying about like five years from now, you're going to step in. 
he, you're going to need to keep an eye on him and his mindset and how he's doing because where his mindset is, is going to reflect how the numbers of this practice are doing. Keep an eye on his enthusiasm. And I really want you to figure out a point where he would, what he would need to do to this practice as far as like numbers wise or his negativity wise or his procedures wise that you wouldn't buy it. Um, you need to assess the business of what it currently is versus your ideal. Do you think that you're going to have to step in and it's not just changing patients' mindsets, it's also changing branding and, oh, you don't really like the location either and his procedures are shit. Uh, honey, you're looking at just giving someone hundreds of thousands of dollars just to build a practice from scratch. And is that really the smartest financial decision when you're coming out already in debt? You see, a lot of times... When we're a student, we look at um, we look at this practice opportunity, this doc who's about to retire, like handing a baton over. And it's like, great. All I have to do is give them money and they're going to give me a practice. And you're like, well, is it the practice you want? Well, not really. And it's really more like a warm body where it's like he's not building your dream practice. It actually kind of sounds like he's winding down a warm body. And you need to check in and go like, is this clinic just a warm body to you. And what I mean by that is like, is this just an opportunity and you're in school and you're like any opportunities like, well, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Because I don't want to be sitting here eight months from graduation, not knowing what my life is going to look like five years from now. So what I'm going to do is instead of sitting in the discomfort of like, yeah, I know what my next step is after graduation, but I don't know where I'm going to be five years from now. Are you inserting this opportunity so you don't have to sit in discomfort of like, I don't know. The future is unknown. Um, this is something that you, so as graduate students, we all share a lot in common. Okay. So a lot of us in high school figured out, we knew we were at least going to college. So we knew, even if you didn't know you were going to be a chiropractor, you knew I'm going to go to college. So you knew what your next four to five years was going to be like. And then somewhere in college, you decided you were going to be a chiropractor and chiropractic school is long. And so you knew after college, you're going to graduate school. And so what happens is, is we've been trained, you know, you're probably like 22, 23, 24, and you've, your mindset has been trained to plan and know what your next five years are going to look like. And so it's very normal that this is what happens and that's okay. I just want to kind of soften and be like, if this wants, if this is the placeholder for your five years, that's okay, but be open to this not being what happens. Okay. So, all right, I'm going to kind of shut up here and I'll give you the tactical stuff. You know, I don't mean to, I don't mean to like, I can, like I said, I prayed for this, that I wouldn't put my story on you, uh, but I have such a similar story. So I, I'm a, I'm a driver. I'm a control freak. Um, I didn't know this about myself back then. I graduated chiropractic school when I was 24 years old. I was super young. And so my husband and I had decided we're getting married and we're moving to his hometown because we're going to have kids and we're going to raise them and our own grandparents. And this town is teeny tiny. And oh my gosh, I don't want to start a practice right away. So I'll associate. So I went around 
shadowing and my town has a lot of older chiropractors. So like everybody's kind of on the verge of retirement worked out well. Uh, so I meet this one super like, Oh, he, I think he literally said to me like, Oh, why'd you go into chiropractic? You know, it's not as good. They don't pay as well as they used to. And I'm like, cool, dude. Thanks. Um, and so I'm like trying to fish for this associate opportunity. He's graduating or he's retiring. This is going to work out great. Um, and I was excited about it until one day, about six months after we had kind of like verbally decided like, yeah, you can buy my practice. He started to shift gears and go like, well, you know what would be better is don't move back here right away. Move away and learn some things first, you know, don't get my bad habits. And then as I'm closer to retirement, move back here and then you can buy my practice from me. And I'm like, wait, uh, now if I wouldn't have had a husband and like a kid, like in my mind, I was ready to like have a child. Like I may have been like, oh, okay. Sounds good. Um, and then life would have taken a completely different course and who knows. But for me, I was like, no, I am moving back home right now. Are you going to hire me an associate or not? He said no. And so I was like, all right, I guess I have to start a practice. Best thing that ever happened. Like, first of all, that guy missed an opportunity because I would have been the best freaking associate ever. Um, I would have also driven him into the ground with, uh, but you know, whatever. So it ended up working out really, really well for me because I didn't end up having to pay someone $300,000 for a practice that I was planning on doing a flip for, right? Like I didn't want that practice. It was just a warm body, an opportunity for me to feel comfort and security and of like, okay, sure. And then somebody's going to give me $40,000 a year as an associate. Like I would much rather make 30 to $40,000 a year as an associate and feel comfortable instead of taking that risk. And it's one of those like easy, hard versus hard, easy. So again, I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to give you some real like how to flip this if you decide in five years is still what you want. So what I would do is I would determine like now and by now I mean like it doesn't have to be now now like right around your graduation time. But if you're going to continue making life decisions after graduation based on the idea that you're coming back in five years to take over determine now how the price of this practice is going to be determined. Now this is not a contract. I'm Oh, shoot. My lawyer would like me to tell you that I am not a financial advisor or a practice broker or any of those important things. I'm just an opinion, opinionated female. OK, so anyway, so no contract, just verbal agreement at this point, And it needs to be based on performance of the clinic um, because he needs to have an incentive to keep these clinic numbers as high as possible, knowing that if his clinic starts tanking, his offer price is going to also start tanking. And again, you should know in the back of your head, I don't know, that the point at which if the clinic tanks so much, you would just walk away. You know, I don't know. I didn't ask any how, like how big this practice is, why you're so appealed to it. Um, but you know, if it gets to a point where he's seeing 40 people a week, oh my gosh, don't pay him for anything. Like just start your own. Um, also it's kind of a long shot, but in business world, when you're buying a business, look into something called an earnout. So let's say for instance, that, uh, he determines around the time that you're going to take over the keys that it's worth $500,000. 
See if you can do 300,000 at closing and uh, 200,000 over the next two years if collections stay over a certain point. You know, see if he's willing to share some of that risk. If he's really so confident that his practice is, no, it's not going to go down when you take over. This is a rock steady practice. Like, see if you can get away with that. That's also going to help just with your like financing and getting a, a loan from the bank. So then once you've kind of established that, you're going to want to meet with him and figure out what his dream exit strategy, like his timeline, um, and keep checking in on that one to two times a year. Because what will happen is, is it's very easy. You know, like it's, it's kind of funny, you know, we're talking about five years here. This is what we do is we picture like where we're going to be in five years and grossly underestimate everything. We're like usually completely wrong when we're talking about five years, once you get out of college. So this guy right now, it's real easy for him to be like, yeah, in like five years, I'll be ready to retire. But I wouldn't be shocked if four years from now, you're like, all right, so you're going to retire and you're moving out of Florida, right? You're <laughs> Okay, legit question. Where, where do old people retire when they already live in Florida? Do they just stay in Florida? Or is their only option to like move over to Arizona? Like does Arizona and Florida just do like a big swap when people turn 65? Like, I don't know. Anyway, like find out, is he planning on selling you his practice and then just seeing patients out of his home 10 minutes from the practice like because you should have a problem with that you know because that's what a lot of chiropractors do of like yeah I don't want to run a business anymore I just want to have a couple hours a week where people come at my hours that are convenient and pay me cash like that's kind of the dream and if that's his dream that's kind of important for you to know um in my scenario his dream was that I was going to come give him hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he and then in addition to buying his practice, I was also then going to pay him $70,000 a year to be an associate for me. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, so it didn't really work for me. But you need to like touch, keep touching base with him. What's your exit strategy? What's ideal for you? Because there's going to this all this tactical advice means nothing unless he's on board. His mindset, he's the one who has control over the clinic. And so you need to be keep touching in with his mindset and making sure that he's still on board for all these things. Otherwise, this is going to tank like the Titanic real bad. So as long as everything's hunky-dory, good, 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 you don't have any red flags, this is what we'd call a like yellow flag sensitive timeline over the next three years, where if there is this like gut check inside of you that you're like, uh, I kind of already told him that I was going to do this, but I don't know that I want to move back to this town or like, I don't know that I want to take over his practice anymore. You need to have people in your life who are going to like gut check you like a hardcore mofo because what we do as women, I brought this up in the very first podcast. What we do as women is we're like, oh, but I kind of already said I was going to do that. Um, no, there's no room for like that unless you've contractually agreed then legally you kind of got to. Um, but like if you verbally on some like pie in the sky idea of what you think you're going to want in five years from now, do not keep going down a road when yellow flag after yellow flag is popping up in your gut going like, I don't know if this is what I want anymore. So assuming there are no yellow or red flags going forward. When we're in that 12 to 18 months from handing over the keys, you're going to want to be heavily involved in any major 
decisions he makes. Now, this doesn't mean he has to authorize them with you, but if he's hiring a new front desk person, um, I think you should be a part of that decision. If he's going to sign on with a coaching group, you, those should be conversations because a coaching group is going to drastically change systems and procedures. Like again, at this point you have, shouldn't have any legal holding on this. You should just be like a verbal agreement, but he should be this, he should be open to that. If he's so confident that he's going to hand over the keys in a year and you're like, Hey, I'd like to be sit in on the, the interviews. If he's like, I don't think that's appropriate. That's what we call a yellow flag. And that's where you go, huh? Interesting. If he goes like, I'm thinking about, uh, buying this new software and changing everything, you know, I'm going to upgrade to digital x-rays and I don't care what you think. Like, those are yellow flags of like, huh, you don't care at all. The person who I'm going to be giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to doesn't care at all about my opinion on this. Those are things important. So you should be involved in some of those huge things. If he's installing digital x-rays, upgrading, guess what's happening to your bottom line of the practice you're buying? You better want to use x-rays in your practice because that price, that purchasing price just went up a lot. If you were like, oh, I was just going to refer out for x-rays. Again, it's a conversation. So then as we're in that six to 12 months um, of you really being there full time, that's where I would start making some of these small, simple changes. He must be on board with this. Otherwise, it will never work. Now, I recommend things like um, office shares. So I'm just picturing this office being kind of like old, dingy, like maybe you hate the carpet, maybe you hate the duck posters on the wall, um, things like that. Ideally, if it, you're going to be spending money, it's things that if this deal goes south, you can just bring with you of like, okay, no harm, no foul, but I am bringing my chairs that I put in the waiting room, the kids toys over in the, like things like that. Like if he doesn't have any kids toys in the waiting room, you may be like, Hey, that sends a weird message that we don't see any kids. I would like it if we put a little kids area over here, those small changes, um, the more, that you're comfortable with them, whatever you're comfortable with and he's comfortable with are ideal. Now you said you're going to be practicing together for a while. Um, so that's, that's great. There's going to be a lot of transition that can happen during that time. Um, but you know, for instance, before he checks out and it's just you, if you don't like the hours, like if he does Saturdays, a lot of chiropractors do Saturdays. I personally, I'm just not a Saturday person because I didn't go into this profession to not have my weekends. Like I don't even work Fridays. Um, I don't do house calls. Like, sorry, if it's that bad, you should have called me yesterday when I was in the practice or, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm getting on a soapbox. That's no judgment of anybody who does any of that. I'm just saying like, make sure start aligning his practice values with your practice values during that. Now, within like the six months of you starting to step foot, you want to start shadowing. If you can set up a consistent thing where you're there on the first Friday of every month, um, you should be holding monthly one to two monthly workshops in the waiting room a month. Now, these should be workshops that are going to appeal to the current patient base. They should be free. They should, you know, if he sees a lot of old people, I don't know, maybe the workshops are on diabetes prevention or how to not fall and break your hip. I don't know. I don't know. I told you I'm a pediatric practice. This is, um, you know, but they should be things that those patients are going to be like, oh, oh, this workshop is being held by the new doc when she's starting. Now, why it's so important that his mindset with all of these things are exciting 
is this can go one of two ways. And I think you're likely smart enough to figure out which way you want to go. So let's say you're like, hey, doctor, we're going to name him Dr. Jim. Uh, hey, Dr. Jim. So, you know, as we're getting closer to me coming into the clinic, I'd like to start holding um, every other week, like a health workshop on Wednesday night uh, for patients. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the, these are the topics that I would do. His response should be like, that sounds amazing. I used to do workshops, but I just got tired, like, or, you know, um, things like that. That's great. He's going to be supportive because his patients are getting education and he's not having to do the work. Now, if he responds to that with like, well, I don't know, like, I don't think anybody would really be interested in that. Like I tried them a long time ago and nobody came. That's what we call a yellow flag. So because here's what's going to happen is like you're going to post a poster. Let's say you're like, OK, well, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, and you have a poster around the clinic. Now, you're not there all the time. You know, he's there. It's his mindset that is preparing the patients for you. If there's this thing and let's say a patient goes like, oh, I see there's a diabetes workshop next week by that new the new doc that's coming in. If he's not on board and excited about your excitement and enthusiasm and passion for educating patients, it's going to come across like, yeah, you know, those new students, they come out of school all like full of energy and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to do whatever it does to make his ego feel better that he's not educating his patients like it. And that what kind of a mindset is that setting to that patient? Is that patient signing up for that workshop? Probably not. Um, you know, the new chairs, if you put new chairs in the waiting room or kids or things, you know, toys. Um, if the patients are going like, oh, I see there's toys over in the corner now. What's up with that? If he's like, oh, yeah, the new doc wants to see kids and stuff. I don't know. It's going to make this place real loud and crazy. Like, he has to be on board. He has to be excited about these changes. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what kind of a tactical approach you have. He will tank it if he's not on board. So, you know, when you're in that last, you know, that three months, you want to be start taking over that social media. If he has social media, um, start being much more in charge of that. Again, not to beat a dead horse, but like if he's not on board, so let's say you start blasting out uh, family practice stuff. Let's say he does have social media and right now it is very geriatric retirement focused type things. If you start blasting out all these like healthy families, get regular chiropractic care, but he's like, that's kind of BS. I'm only a pain doc. What's going to happen when that mom calls again, you're not there yet and goes like, Oh, I, I'm calling about the new patient special for families. And he sees them that family doesn't get a good response or like mindset from him. And so they leave. And now you just lost that patient. So that's where, again, as long as he's involved in this and happy, it's going to be all good. Now, when, with that social media, I don't know if you want a pediatric practice. If you do, oh my gosh, please don't do this practice. Um, but anyways, you said you, you're you cool with old people as long as they don't lie to you. Um, but let's say you want a diverse practice. You want old too young. You don't want to build just this like 40%, 60% pediatric practice. Um, what I would urge you to do is start bridging the gap with family care instead of jumping to social media of pediatrics. Like I would kind of honestly hold off a couple months um, and start bridging in that gray area of like, we're gonna start talking about family care because what is gonna be a lot easier is to get your 70 year old patient named Betty to refer in her 40 year old daughter with headaches instead of her granddaughter with colic. 
Um, so you just have to kind of meet them where they're at and guide them towards that instead of like all of a sudden, if you're just like going for the like, we're going to do pediatrics, like there's just like, you can do that, but you you just, it's a, they're in both ditches. Like you need to make sure that you're conscious of walking the patients slowly towards that realization. So this is, you know, this is the tactical plan. Um, the biggest thing is keep doing your gut checks. You ended your question with what's the balancing act? Do you just suck it up and deal with it? No. Like I could have answered this in two seconds. No, you never suck it up and deal with it when it has to do with one, you forking over a ton of money and two, more importantly, your life. When you look at these practices, male, female chiropractors who are living their best life, have their ideal practice, they did not fall into that by chance. They made hard decisions. They went hard easy and they had to like stand their ground because guess what? Unless your practice is, has a patient visit average of three visits and is a hundred percent insurance and purely based on I'll call you and you'll adjust where I tell you to adjust. If that's your ideal practice, then just go with the flow of life and default. But the reality is, is more than likely that's not your ideal practice. And you are going to have to really decide on what your values are and what you stand for in your life and your practice, because you can't be everything to everyone. And some patients will be attracted to your values. And that's what you want to focus on. And some will not. Don't spend your energy focusing on what you don't want. Be overtly positive as to what you do want. Okay. Because what I don't want you to do is suck it up. Don't be anyone's retirement plan unless it is a win-win for you. So Sandy, girl, I love you so much. I don't even know you. And I just like, my heart just feels like we connected. I imprinted on you. You imprinted on me. I don't know. We're dire wolves or something like that. If you're not a Game of Thrones person, you don't get that. Um, so I hope that for any student listening or an associate who's thinking about doing this, you got something out of this reminder. We do not have a show without your questions. Please keep them coming. Um, business, momming, maternity leave, self-improvement, marriage, relationships, mother-in-laws, whatever. Keep those questions coming. You can email them to us. Go to our website, sheslayspodcast.com or Lauren, L-A-U-R-Y-N at sheslayspodcast.com. Send us a message on Facebook, on Instagram. Make sure you like us both there. Subscribe to us. Rate us five stars. Don't rate me anything less than that. I don't want your opinion. No, just kidding. Um, if you have a question, that's a real easy question. You can drop that in your review for the podcast as well. And we may just tackle it right away um, at the beginning uh, as we read your review. Until next week, keep slaying, she slayers. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love.
The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 